Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes Podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is brought to you by 12th Street Sound. At this recording and mixing studio in New Westminster, BC, you can work on your music this year or do full productions with Anthony Santorini, who's the owner and engineer there. And you can get access to a special rate exclusively for listeners of this show. Anthony is offering that for you to get going on your project this year. It's especially suitable for newer bands, bands on a budget, people who want to try something different to the other studios that they've tried in the Vancouver area recently. You can learn more about that offer by going to our special URL, 12thstreet.ca slash RCP. But if it doesn't suit exactly what you're looking for, definitely contact Anthony anyway, and he'll be happy to give you access to a special rate. So once again, for this exclusive deal for listeners of this show, go to 12thstreet.ca slash RCP, 12th st.ca slash rcp contact anthony Santorini and get going on your next recording project here in the second half of 2022 this episode is brought to you by railtown mastering now two episodes ago i let you know that i'm working on my second album so my first one was called aim to stay and i put it out in october 2020 when i had to get that album mastered I took it to Andrew Downton at Railtown Mastering, fantastic engineer who made the mixes that Anthony and I worked on sound a lot better when he turned them around in a very reasonable time and helped me finish that project. So I'm going back to Andrew to master my second album. I'm really looking forward to hearing those masters from him very, very soon, I think, because I reached out to him a couple of weeks ago. And when you want to get your music mastered this year, I recommend you go to Andrew. To learn more about his studio, go to railtownmastering.com and... When you're ready to reach out to him, you can email him at andrew at railtownmastering.com. So work with a great mastering engineer to get your recordings done this year. Email andrew at railtownmastering.com. There's a, an intuitive kind of universal sense where if you present something the right way, even if there's a lot of craft and technique behind it, it, just, it speaks to people. There's musicality, improvisation, a deep story, but you can also dance to it or tap your feet to it. Everyone hears something different in it. Happy Wednesday and coming to you from New Westminster, BC. This is the Rhythm Changes podcast, the only weekly interview podcast about jazz and creative music in Canada and your guide to the Vancouver jazz scene and over 50 personalities in it and around it who have done interviews on this show to date. Today, I have an interview with a very creative cellist who has a new album out and he's stopped in Vancouver. He's made time for us while he's here. That's up next. Our guest today is a cellist who released his second jazz trio album, Chronotope, on July 22nd, 2022. The trio features cello, bass, and drums with some percussion and reflects his experience graduating from Berkeley and playing in New York. He plays Indian classical music and traditional Arabic music. And he and I have a mutual friend in Gabriel Dubreuil, a violinist with whom he forms the Loose Roots Duo. And he's in BC working on some new music with that group right now. Also, for those who happen to be in Toronto this summer, where he is originally from, his album release show for Chronotope will take place on Tuesday, August 9th at The Rex. You can find him on the web, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube under his own name and stream Chronotope anywhere or get it on Bandcamp in digital or CD format. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, George Crotty. Hey, well, good to be with you, man. 
Thanks for making time for me in your trip out to Vancouver. You've just flown in, actually, as we're recording this, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, late night last night and uh, and and early morning as well, and it's it's great to be here. I've been checking out the the show, and thanks for what you do. It's um and not only interesting, but like a very defined uh, kind of mandate that uh, you're programming, and yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. Oh. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I remember we got to hang out several years ago. I don't even remember what year it was, 2016, 2017. It was early days for like your collaboration with Gabrielle, my collaboration with Gabrielle even. You came to Vancouver as part of something and we got to hang out at uh, Gabrielle and I's bandmate Jay's house once and eat together and hang out and listen to music together. It's a fuzzy memory for me because it's long ago, but I remember it was good times. <laughs> yeah, fuzzy, hopefully not because of the beers, but that's right. You guys had just put out um, Back to Back Bay, I think it's called. So I think it would have been 2017 when we were relocating from, from Boston. Nice. Yeah. So was that just also at the end of your Berkeley journey too? Like, were you and Gabrielle in it together? Did you graduate right around that time? Gabe managed to get out, get out, I say graduate happily yeah. a year before me. I forget when exactly we started together. We we didn't meet initially. I, f I forget just meeting at school and became friends and stayed in touch, had an interest in, in working together and such. And uh, yeah, the details, uh, as well as that, that night we met are, are kind of fuzzy, but yeah. uh, a good warm kind of fuzzy, you know, good, good friendship. <laughs> well, there's some tracks on your album that are kind of like that too, but actually there's a lot of album tracks that are more energetic too. I really like the way that you deployed percussion and drums to really energize the album and you really broke it down into a whole bunch of different styles and time feels and grooves. It's a great variety of stuff. Hey, thank you. I have so much curiosity and, and appreciation for for percussion and there's there's a spectrum of of kind of extended techniques like chopping a lot of people know about but i would probably love to make a, a habit or a, a study of percussion seriously someday and as the as the music uh kind of indicates but uh, what you were saying i made a point of trying to make each track really really distinct i do have an affinity for seven there's some there's some stuff in five but what's nice about the different global traditions I found is that these rhythms are very accessible. They're folkloric and communal and people very intuitively dance to them. I've just been incredibly charmed by the whole sensibility. Yeah. So I want to talk at a high level about where you picked up some of this experience because you've played in a lot of large ensembles and I'm curious about some of those where you really got the exposure to the Indian music traditions and the Arabic music traditions and such. But first, I don't know anything about how you got there. Like, what did you play in Toronto and what was the earliest part of your come up like? My early days were a typical beginning with, with Suzuki and other classical pedagogy. I won a scholarship to play in a regional symphony and was studying at the Royal Conservatory in Toronto and in a sacred music high school, singing in churches and it was great music. There was something though, I didn't have the vocabulary or the understanding at the time, but I didn't really see a, a way forward with it. And I had almost given up the notion of, of becoming a cellist and Berkeley represents, it's not singularly this way, but it definitely does represent in a strong way, 
very progressive string pedagogy. And there's such a variety and a huge world of music that I discovered and have begun to find a new home in going on kind of 10 years later in this journey that offered alternatives and complementary skill sets and, and traditions to appreciate Western tradition in a new way. It's something I got to go away from and I love solo repertoire and playing chamber music and I get to play in a, in a pickup orchestra or an oratorio once, a, once in a while, but Berkeley was really the way to, to just expand and to kind of go out into the world and really find some, some other things that were more, more intuitively compelling, like percussion being one of those things. Yeah. So one of Gabrielle's big mentors at Berkeley was Daryl Anger. Same for you, or who were some of your mentors while you were there? Yeah, Daryl profoundly shaped my my vision and my interests, like like many, especially a sense of, of rhythmicism as a, a bowed string musician. Though being a cellist, I do owe a great debt of, of gratitude to Eugene Friesen and to to Mike Block, who I studied with there as well. In terms of some of these wider traditions, oh, and Natalie Haas, uh, epic cellist as well. Yeah. There's a Palestinian musician, Simone Shaheen, who's on the faculty there. And I didn't even know who Simone was and almost literally walked into him in the hallway. He has a kind of Near Eastern orchestra. And that was really the door. He didn't play for the first few weeks of this class. And then he played the oud and ripped a a solo essentially to kind of just warm up and i was so hooked um oh. by the the sound and the the pure overwhelming beauty of of his own self-expression to the point where i actually do play the cello like an oud now as well yeah. a little bit to just emulate the the aesthetic yeah because you played at the vancouver jazz festival i missed it i think i was with some family or something on the weekend at this time but you played at the western front last year in July 2021 and you I know you have a video from that performance on your YouTube channel that anyone could see now where you're picking up your cello and you're playing it like a guitar like you're strumming it right that's right I'm using a thick pick that I picked up from mandolin players just because the tension of cello strings are probably closest to a mandolin yeah and that's Simone is the is the source of that uh, other people can reference bluegrass technique or gimbri a, uh, a North African instrument that has a closer timbre and that's tune is called chronotope actually it's the title track of the album i wanted to try them in in a different capacity outside of the band setting before they were recorded and it was truly a, a great honor to play at the western front and meet uh aram and other people in the building and at the festival and it was a program of other creative string players in town and truly a, a highlight of, of the year, a, a very difficult year for most people, too. Yeah. Chronotope, the title track, it's a bluesy track. You've got that quintuplet swing thing. It's like, duck it, duck it, duck duck it, duck duck it, right? It's got that kind of driving rhythm, right? Yeah, it's a kind of half time. I had, didn't really think about it much. And then is it four over five or something else? <laughs> and But toe tapping modal music is definitely present there and that's something i've kind of become sort of known for or i'm following rather yeah and then you are distorting your cello too right when you're improvising it almost sounds like electric guitar there is a pedal board on that show and sometimes with the band 
we we do open things up with with some more processing. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. I, I encourage everyone. We <laughs> we need more distortion in the world. <laughs> yeah, and then the modal sound, you know, that's where all the cross cultural stuff really comes into play. Like you can really hear it there are modes that really evoke certain moods, right? Like I think one of my favorite tracks on the album is the one after Chronotope, which is Prayer Dance. Prayer Dance. And then yeah. there's some other darker ones too. But that one really stood out to me because like it has almost like this dance hall style rhythm. I don't know if that's how you intended it, but that's almost how it comes across, you know? Yeah, that one is is big and there was an ecstatic quality I was trying to go for. A friend of mine named the tune actually, but that was the intention very much and it is a hindustani mode uh called rag purvi uh that the composition is is based on there is a more open kind of cosmic sense traditionally you can take the same set of notes and if you emphasize different degrees of the scale or if you move different degrees if you start on the seventh or on the third it can be a, a completely different mode entirely. What's been interesting, though, is how to play with musicians of the highest order that don't speak that language and to find a, a kind of common language between them. Uh, I'll give them a chord scale. That makes sense to both of us, and Ragpurvi means something else to, to someone else. But groove has always been the way to integrate. Yeah, you, you can tap your toes and, and feel it viscerally instead of trying to blow some crazy upper structures, which is cool too, but huh. yeah. Yeah. So that's cool about the collaboration part. I want to ask you about your bandmates, but bear with me for a sec. So 10 Please, years yeah. ago, 2012, I'm at Music Fest Canada in Ottawa with my high school. And there's another guy, I'm playing bass, of course, and there's another guy playing bass with his high school and he is on another level compared to where I've ever been at for sure even at that age and he's playing in like the rep band at Music Fest Canada like the honor band kind of thing and he's playing with other people when they're auditioning for scholarships he's playing jazz I never got to meet him but I was like man this guy's cool and he's really got it all together and that is John Chapman from 10 years ago so I know oh, he's in yeah. your band but tell me about your bandmates yeah John is the man, <laughs> uh, an incredible bassist and uh, a good friend. He's from Ontario originally as well, though we met in Boston. I remember the first time I saw him play and was just floored. He was slapping some mean electric bass at the lily pad in Boston, playing with a group. I forget the name now, but I knew I had to stay in touch with this guy. And then he went on to to get a master's at McGill. And we, we played a gig together in Canada after we had both moved out of Boston. He steals the show on the album, to be honest. I'm yeah, just so happy he, he brought so much of himself and really breathed some life into the music, especially something that uh, admittedly he's, he's not so familiar with, but he managed to really make things his own and be very supportive and and collaborative and so I'm just glad he can he makes time for me and uh, and likes to hang out. Uh, our drummer on the record at the moment is Matthias Richarte. He's a PhD candidate in in Toronto and is also a member of uh, CUNE, the Global Jazz Orchestra that was kind of an incubator at the Royal Conservatory a few years ago. 
I'm also just glad he makes time for me. He plays with Jesse Cook and he's on the road yeah. all the time. And he brings a totally different sensibility. He's a graduate of uh, Code Arts in, uh, in the Netherlands as well and has a training in Hindustani music and some other stuff. So it's nice. Uh, we, we have some feet in a, in a few different places that really lets me kind of find, find my voice through, through these other, other places that they have much deeper uh, experience in as well. It's funny that there's a Jesse Cook connection, right? Because if I was being super oversimplified, and not to say that Jesse Cook isn't hip, but if I had to describe your music, you know, maybe I would say, oh, it's like Jesse Cook, but for hipper, younger people who are like highly <laughs> musically literate. <laughs> you know, oh, thanks, I don't man. know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't even know if that's fair, but I do feel like you're trying to operate in the same world, you know, you and him, like the same kind of cross-cultural almost jazz. Yeah, almost jazz. It's I'm eternally neither neither fish nor fowl. It's it's been interesting to to see how how it's received by musicians and and by by programmers. There's um there's a few people uh I've studied with and references like I'm really compelled by Aldi Miola's music as nice. well. Um, there's a an intuitive kind of universal sense where if you present something the right way. Um, even if there's a lot of craft and technique behind it, it, it speaks to people. Um, there's musicality, improvisation, uh, a deep story, but you can also dance to it or tap your feet to it. And everyone hears something different in it. What I try to think about is uh, just keeping your heart open. I, I got to work for someone this year who, who made that really so, so central. Uh, writing very compelling music without a lot of music theory to explain what he was doing on the piano, but just having that sense of, of kindness, right? And, and joy and higher consciousness, not to be too aspirational with, <laughs> with what I'm doing over here. Yeah, couple more questions that are in the weeds of the album, I guess. There's this sound on Prayer Dance, and the sound is also on track five, Bio. There's this kind of octaver thing. It almost sounds like hits cello and bass playing together but it's like this super heavy sound and like it's in the background underneath the middle of your solo your arco solo on prayer dance and then it comes up again in bio do you know what i'm talking about here it's like this low kind of octave sounding heavy sound what is that yeah we reamped quite a bit of the of the album so that would at the time i'd use it on the cello a little more subtly but it is on there pretty thick in some of the the bass tracks, so that's a pog octaver. Octaves in modal music are very powerful arranging and production tool, uh, just creating a, a larger sense of depth and geometry, especially when you have thinner harmony. And when a cello is the harmonic instrument in the room, it's interesting to have a variety and a real palette of, of colors and, and options all the time. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, yeah. of octaves. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that sound too. That sound is like the most striking thing that I noticed as I made my way through the album for the first time, you know? Yeah, when we play live as well, uh, we were playing a late night set. We started at 2.30 in the morning last night. So we had the sub up really loud because then you're really just playing for people to enjoy themselves with some libations at the time. And there's nothing like having a low rumble underneath things, you know? Yeah. And then electric bass is something that I wasn't expecting to hear on this record you know that was an interesting curveball that i did enjoy too like especially when there's an electric bass solo in 
the middle of like track four metamorphosis like the longest track there's like an electric bass solo and then there's electric bass on a couple other tracks isn't there yeah it's not quite 50 50 but i play an electric cello sometimes and uh electro kind of acoustic playing into a pedal board we play completely acoustic in in the right setting like we played canadian music center in toronto a few weeks ago in a beautiful little listening room and then the record you're right is mostly a much larger proggy full spectrum sound john really has a, a love um for upright bass and is a poet with um with the bass but um it's it's for texture we've tried a lot of things how to stay out of each other's way and the variety is is nice too i don't use the electric cello so much um here but it was a question of uh orchestration and flexibility as much as i do love chopping and i get to be kind of an accompanist playing with gabe and and other violinists if you have a viola around i think i've talked with a few people about this in turtle island and um earl minian from uh, vitamin string quartet they're they're a great engine and then cello can hold down fundamentals and some other stuff because we yeah we really can just kind of slam as well yeah you mentioned playing with Gabe, so let's go there. Let's talk about the Loose Roots duo because you're here, obviously, to do some work, and part of that work is going to be recording a new duo album with him, where Gabrielle's playing violin and you're playing cello. You did a project with him five years ago in 2017, and you've played some gigs with him along the way. You've even done a little bit of traveling in Canada around to different performances, and I'd love to hear about what you're bringing into your recording collaboration right now and what you guys might have in mind for the Loose Roots duo coming up. Yeah, the Loose Roots was a name Gabe picked up or conceived in in Boston and it spoke to a much more kind of exploratory phase we were in when uh, the three of us would have met, especially with Daryl's influence and Jason Anik and other violinists around. We were doing Celtic stuff and Manouche jazz tunes and some originals and a big, beautiful mess of different stuff. And the Loose Roots was this image that we were really kind of trying to spread out and, and soak up and synthesize a variety of musical languages, but that were string-based and kind of groovy, sometimes improvisatory. And we both tried to write some music like that and then um, found a way to just kind of distill the process a little bit. And although a lot of those traits are still there, it's expressing itself more in a a fiddle or kind of Celtic aesthetic. And we ended up writing some stuff with some more, following those lines, some slightly less traditional harmony. We're not going like 12 tone or anything on anybody, but <laughs> it's, I've been calling it just like a down tempo Celtic record. I'm trying really hard to not just spend my life copying Martin Hayes, who I'm oh. yeah floored by, but that would be oh, a man. good reference. Yeah kind of the way that he plays like slow jigs is just like the best yeah (laughs) yeah there's one jig on the record uh that we wrote together but it's it's a mix he wrote gabe wrote a a waltz i've got um a three movement suite that there's a slow air to kind of end it so it's uh it's a little bit more contemplative there's nothing to toe tapping yeah because your repertoire it was just like a three track ep the thing that you guys put out in 2017 and like it's it's so uh, it definitely takes me back when I think about what that repertoire was, like a tune that we recorded, Gabrielle and I, in Early Spirit uh, that he wrote, Réal du Cocotier, Coconut Reel. And then you 
uh, mash that up with It Don't Mean a Thing by Duke Ellington. And then you played uh, Dogma, which was something that we recorded on our first demo album, like pre-Early Spirit, uh, Back to Back Bay. And then there was Harrison Crab Feathers, like just a straight up kind of jazz tune. So now you've got originals that you're furthering this project, right? Yeah, we've both really found voices and, and intention with, with kind of creating repertoire as well as, um, you know, holding holding traditional tunes as well. I was really late to a lot of these things, as I mentioned with the, the whole Berkeley journey. So composition has been a way to really intuitively, there is a chameleon-like quality that's kind of encouraged at, at Berkeley. And especially when you start freelancing, you want to be able to compartmentalize things and show up and play uh, a standards gig or like a bossa background dinner party or you can play pop tunes at a wedding and it's when you just kind of let things out organically that you find a way to kind of prioritize your interests in in your voice or at least one thing at a time i we've definitely learned that um with this really natural collaboration with gabe that's evolved um i realized that um that was kind of more of a space for the fiddle world to to exist outside of my kind of trio project there are some great things like i've played some um what's the uh the bothy culture uh martin bennett stuff like much more oh yeah Celtic music with the band but um it's been nice to have a little bit of clarity around that so he's my uh tratty enabler oh i love martin bennett when we were touring north shore celtic ensemble in their last trip to scotland like Gabriel got to go when he was a student he got to go twice but i got to go once working with them and uh our guide when we were in like the second leg of the tour and we were driving across scotland and we were crossing the bridge to go to the isle of sky he put on martin bennett on the tour bus and it was the first time i'd ever heard him i can't remember what track he put on but then i checked him out and i was like wow this is cool stuff this is a cool mix of genres and concept yeah, that stuff is so ahead of its time as I don't need to explain to anyone who knows the records already. Yeah, I'm I'm truly floored. Martin Bennett and Oliver Schroer really come yeah. to mind as people I, He's a hero I would here. really Yeah. Yeah, I would really love to meet both of them. I feel so understood by it's these musicians made that I'll never get to meet, but they're they're standing the test of time and they still sound really fresh. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Chronotope will be <laughs> stand the test of time too, you know? Well, you're playing some gigs yourself with the trio to get it out there. Like, I think the first gig with this trio that's in this cycle when you're getting ready to put out the album was at the beginning of June. You played in an opening set for Raphael Weinroth Brown at the Gladstone Live Music Series. And so I was going to ask you, like, how live it was when you were doing it in the studio, like how much of the album was rendered live off the floor and then how much you overdubbed and stuff. But how much does the live performance resemble the studio project for Chronotope? Like you said, you can pretty much create everything, right? With the pedals and the right setup. So the Ottawa performance was was with the trio. I really love the open kind of fluidity you can have in a in a conversational ensemble setting when i play solo things are a little more scripted you know i have a an eight bar thing that i can solo over but then you know you got to go back to your arrangement the record the trio record we hashed out some in the moment okay this is how we're going to do it but every performance is very different there are 
cues essentially like nothing too crazy to to someone in in the same idea you know we we have we know how we start and we know how we're going to finish and this is how we know somebody wants to go on to the next section but we change the orders of things around we never play the i like to start all of our concerts with this tune from the last album called synchronicities just because it's a very kind of slow burn but otherwise um i love the fact that it it can be different all the time because sometimes they they would ask about really specifically well how about instrumentation and arrangement and with people that are so good and and so creative i'd tell them really if i wanted something specific i would have written it down that way huh cuz we can i i mean i this suite that we're recording with Gabe next week it's note for note we we know how to do it but that's not that's really not the point it's more radical self expression yeah and then same kind of thing for your show at the Rex that's coming up, right? It's going to be very different than your previous trio show. Every show is going to go somewhere else. That's right. Ho- hopefully, yes. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. I do want to just circle back and thank the guys, uh, Michelle Delage and Mark Deco that played with me in Ottawa. If anyone doesn't know Raphael Weinroth Brown on cello as well, he's um, formidable and so friendly. I'm, I'm a huge fan and uh, lucky to call him a friend as well. Nice. And then just last thing here would be, what's the recording plan? Where are you recording with Gabrielle and how's that going to go down coming up here? We have a, an undisclosed location off the coast that we're going into retreat uh, this week to record. We're producing engineering ourselves. It's hopefully going to be a full-length album or maybe uh, a generous EP and the idea is to that'll come out in the spring and we will be happy to let everybody know when we know more as well you will know when we know very good well that's really exciting uh I'm glad you're here doing that because I can't wait to hear the results great work on putting out your album chronotope and I'm sure you'll be bringing that band to Vancouver again in the not so distant future if not at the same time as Loose Roots do, I look forward to experiencing all that you do live. I'm a fan of yours, and thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Hey, thanks, well. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and if you like what we do here, I invite you to sign up to the free weekly article that I write. This week's article, available now, has a review of the new album by Laura Crema and Bill Kuhn called String Songs. You can read about that album, very appropriate because we had a strings guest. And if you like what you read, you can sign up for future editions of the free weekly article right on our homepage at rhythmchanges.ca.